0: Father, I thank you tonight for the fellowship of the saints. I want to thank you, Lord, for the blood of the cross, for your spirit, for your word, for the time that you've allotted to us. We entered tonight with recognition of your sacrifice. And we give you glory and praise tonight. All of it belongs to you. None of us are worthy enough. None of us are good enough. We stand before you, Lord, humbly. You are the great God of heaven and earth. So consider us, Lord, the fallibility in our own hypocrisies and our stumblings. Have mercy on our soul. Lead us, lead our church. Lead this family of believers, Lord, in truth. We seek for you. So I give you praise tonight and thank you. Prepare our hearts right now for all things heard and received. And for those that are watching online, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit would rest among them also, wherever they may be. And if they watch this in days to come, that you would be there. And the ministry and spirits that you would send forth would be there all over this nation in our homes, I prayed in Jesus' name. All all the saints should speak his name now in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands to the Lord and, and surrender to him. Would you surrender? I surrender, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. I surrender to you, I surrender to you. And would you sing with me? I want to be holy, holy like you. I want to be holy, holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me, cleanse and make me new. I want to be holy. Holy like you. I want to be holy. Holy like you. I want to be holy. Holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me. Cleanse and make me new want to be holy, holy, holy like you. I want to be holy, holy like you. I want to be holy, holy like you. Holy Spirit, purify me cleanse and make me new want to be holy holy like you Holy Spirit purify me, say it together Holy Spirit purify me cleanse and make me new I want to be holy holy like you I want to be holy Holy like you. Oh, I want to be holy. Holy like you. Come on now, let's do that with praise. You're so good, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and I thank you for standing. And... I want to introduce, uh, our topic tonight and with great joy we talk about the Lord. If you have your books, this is a good time to turn and I'll, I'll give you the page here. I I thought I had it in front of me. The page is page 101. And if you have a handout, then you're, you're, you're fine. You're, you're right there. Um, with me also All right. Everyone have that? Thank you. Tonight is the final night of our project where we are wrapping up this particular subjects of truth: the voice, our prayer, our giving, our fasting. And, of course, tonight, communion. I want to reiterate a few things for our consideration. Prayer is a daily endeavor. I want all of you to know you have no relationship with anyone that you do not talk to. There's a lot of people I'd like to know, but unless I talk to them, I won't know them and they won't know me. Every relationship begins with communication. Now there's many ways to communicate, but the best and most effective way is to speak. And it seems simplistic, but please don't count that as elementary. Because you cannot have any walk with God if you do not talk to him and give time for him to talk to you. Let me just pause and just say this. The combination of both the scripture and prayer This is a combination of both the scripture and prayer. So when I'm reading my Bible, I'm spending time with God. And sometimes I'm praying and I'm reading and I'll pause and I'll close the book and I'll wait. Because there are moments when you have to meditate and let the Lord speak to your spirit. I I, I want to warn you, it's difficult to hear from God if you fill your life with a lot of other news and conversations. It's hard to hear from God. And sometimes we misinterpret what we hear because we're not in the Word and we're not praying to the Lord. Prayer is a daily endeavor. Reading your Bible is a daily endeavor because, believe it or not, every answer that you've you've ever needed to every question has already been written down in this book. Every question. Every direction And the guide about how to live. Every ethical dilemma. Every situation. Every relationship. How you ought to talk, walk. Maybe what you ought not to drink. The Bible says don't be a wine bibber. Threw that in for for good measure. There's things in this book. And if you don't know it. It does not relinquish your responsibility. Like the police officer who pulled me over when I was 19. And I said, I didn't, he said, you know how, how fast you're going? And I said, mm, I'm not really sure. And he said, you know what the speed limit here is on the campus? And I said, i not really sure. Thinking that my uncertainty and my ignorance would get me out of a speeding ticket. It did not. He said, you were going 50 miles an hour and it's a 35 mile an hour zone. And I said, Well, I didn't know that. And he said, well, you're going to know that I'm writing you a ticket right now. And he was so kind as he gave me that $65 ticket. I don't know what it would be today. Just because you don't know does not absolve you from responsibility. And here's the scripture. The time to this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. How much more all of us that sit in this room hearing this word Sundays and Wednesdays and are afforded many Bibles. I wonder if you took account of how many Bibles you had in your home. I'll bet you have more than one Bible per person in your home. Prayer and the word are daily endeavors. Giving is the control of your own. Watch this. Giving is a control of your own lust. Because when you give your money, it means you are identifying that God gave it all to you and you've got to control yourself. You honor the Lord first, but if you are not in control, you'll take upon yourself things you don't need and it will hinder your ability to give God first covetousness and the desires of our heart can you hear this now we not only recognize god with our first fruit but there's something about honoring the lord and then controlling our own flesh i was this morning i had a uh, i was with some some folks and i said i need to get a cup of coffee do they have free coffee here anywhere in the hotel and the man said, no, I'm going to pay for it. I said, no, let's go get some. He said, no, I'm, I've got this. And I said, well, you don't have to do that. His wife said, listen, we already had our coffee. We're going to get you a cup of coffee. I said, okay. And we went over to the little place in the hotel. It was a Starbucks. And, and, and the man said, what do you want? I said, well, just how about a latte? Now, I don't really know what, know what I'm talking about. I just know that this is what Tammy orders for me, latte. So I have no idea what's in that. I just know I kill it with other things, cream and other other sweeteners. It's warm, and it didn't have to be warm because I was in Tampa, uh, I was in Clearwater. So, uh, so they got and I noticed the man rang it up, and and my friend actually gave him a tip. It was by the it was five forty five without the tip, and people have no compul they they have no inhibition. They, there's no reservation. There's no reservation. We will give ourselves whatever we want. But when it comes to God, we're suspect. When it comes to the offering and the missionary, we're suspect. Because we want what we want. But when it comes to the offering, and we have a $5 bill in our hand or a one, we have a one and a five. We're trying to think, "Mm, yeah. God or latte. And I will just tell you, From what I'm reading, around all churches, this is evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, and Lutheran churches, most people would rather have the latte, give the one, keep the five. And and I'm convicted, as I think about the many church planters and people that are starting churches all over the United States, and there are congregations that spend more money on their coffee In one week, than they give to a missionary in one year. Uh oh. How are we doing so far? I wanted to bring some joy to the church. These are daily routines to give. This is a daily routine to give. I'm trying to remember what day it is. Last Wednesday, I was in Wisconsin and I taught. And I start teaching about and preaching about giving. And the place where I was at, the pastor and, and, and there's two pastors, an older pastor and, and his son, the younger pastor, things needed to change. We've been praying for this. And so I, I taught and preached a little bit about giving. And we talked about giving. I didn't know how the people were going to receive me. I, I pulled out all my jokes. I, didn't, I don't know if they were funny or not, but talked the scripture. And I started to use the hand. Here's your hand. you got a closed fist you can't give. You also have a closed fist you cannot receive. It's a valve. Once you turn on the valve of giving, you become a conduit. And God starts to give to you because the word of the Lord is true. Not only are you required, but when you do this, when you're giving... God starts to give to you because he can trust you. Many people have few things and little because God can't trust you with much. But if you'll, if you'll show the Lord, if you'll trust me, Lord, I'll be a giver. God will give to you and he's got a lot more for you than you've ever received. And I was so excited on Sunday, uh, Monday morning when they texted me and said, you won't believe it, you won't believe it, you won't believe it. We had a yearly commitment of but $114,000, we can't believe it. It was It was more money than they had ever seen in their life and they said, God's good. And something happened that Wednesday night and people started, oh... They started getting their hands open, and by the time Sunday came around and they were writing down their commitments and giving them the offering, something exploded in the church. And it's transforming where they are right now. It has to be a routine every day. Prayer, the word, and giving. Now fasting, as I told you, is a staple, but it's it's infrequent. In January I asked all of you to do a fast. Today I'm I'm fasting today. In January I'd like for all of you to do a fast, but you don't have to wait till January to fast. But the church will be on a, on a fast. And that's infrequent, but it it's important and we talked about it. Tonight is a is a different thought. It's a staple of the church. And I want you just to go to your first page. I, I'd like to read what, what Sister Shock has submitted to us here. And let's read our scripture because it's important for us to read from Luke chapter 6. Verse 48, he is like a man which built an house. The house, ladies and gentlemen, is your life. Write it down. The house is my life. You're building your life. You're building your life. And dig deep. Say, I have to dig deep. You have to be in the word. You have to be in prayer. You're never going to get deep without prayer, consecration, and fasting. But the more you fast, the more you pray. I, I, I implore you, don't be shallow Christians all of your life. Don't think it's all about what you put on. That didn't make you holy and righteous. You know what the Bible says a woman should have? She should adorn herself with a meek and quiet spirit. Where do you buy that? At Macy's? Where do you buy a meek and quiet spirit? Men, where do you buy a temperate attitude? Receiving. I would that men would lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Holy hands without wrath. Anger issues. Doubting. Skepticism. This is what a man is born with. He's got to control his self. Anger. Wrath. Dominance. Skepticism. These are the things you've got to conquer in your flesh every day. You have to dig deep. We have to dig deep in the word. Read on. And lay the foundation on a rock. When the flood arose. And everyone say, it's going to rise. It's coming. Your flood is coming. It will always be there. The stream beat the heavenly upon that house. And could not shake it. That's the life. Trouble comes to the life. But the life that's founded on the rock it cannot be moved. Why because the rock is always greater than the storm The foundation is always greater than the trouble If you're not really founded and a family member dies you lose your mind You'll blame God or you'll be dislodged or if there's a terrible sickness Or if there's a cancer or if there's something that happens to you and you cannot explain it You didn't do anything wrong, but if you have your life founded on the rock Larry and Cheryl your life is founded on a rock and that's why you're sitting here today Because if it wasn't on the rock You would not be here worshiping and praying and crying and loving and giving no way all of us would be gone Amen. It was founded. There are a few blanks here, but I want to read from what Sister Shock has submitted. It is profound. It's scriptural. Peter and John came back to the group with a hint of amazement in their expression after so much time with the Master and so many miracles. It was still a wonder and a bit of a shock when he would give them a directive and everything he would say come to pass. John reported that the room had been found just as Jesus said it would be and everything was ready. They followed Peter and John to the house with the guest chamber where they had made preparations for the Passover. As they climbed the stairs, Jesus was overcome with intense feeling of sadness. This would be the last time he would celebrate the Passover with these men, these men who had walked with him, endured hardships with him. "'Left all to follow him.' "'As they were seated, he shared with them his thoughts. "'With desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. "'For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof "'until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God.' "'He saw them exchange worried glances at his words, "'but perhaps sensing his heavy mood, they withheld their questions. "'As Peter and John set the Passover meal before them, "'he took the cup and gave thanks.' then passed it to John. Then he took the bread and gave thanks, broke it and passed the pieces to the twelve. Then the master made an odd statement, something none of them would ever forget. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. His body, the Passover bread, they were puzzled but held their peace. After three years with the master, they all knew he did not speak idle words. Sometimes he said things that were difficult to understand. After supper, holding the cup in his hands, he looked down into its rich red contents and said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The master had just identified himself as the bread and the wine of the Passover, and he instructed them to do this in remembrance of him. They all knew this Passover would be different. There are two elements here tonight that I need to relay to you. I think that we can handle both. There is a teaching element here, and it's so, it is cerebral. It is intellectual. It's something you have to learn. It's a crease in your brain that you make. It's a bit of knowledge. It is the study of the word, but this particular subject comes with emotion. It's not just what you think it's not an analytical approach only though we need to know all teaching is divine explanation if it's anointed it's divine explanation we heard it last week i watched the the entire bible study last week when brother duffy spoke about that soil the firmament the rock digging down until you find it and it's founded That was a divine explanation. Tonight, there is explanation. It is teaching. But this particular subject comes with a trepidation, or it should. We don't approach this subject lightly. We don't approach it whimsically or flippantly. We should never do that. Some years ago, a TV personality said, if you don't have bread and wine, just use a potato chip and some orange juice or whatever. Now, you can call me a little traditional, but I think that's sacrilegious and I'm not playing games with this. I don't think you have orange Kool-Aid or some kind of potato chip or laugh it off or just think anything goes. It does not. We serve a holy God. We should be careful. In fact, within the conscript of this lesson, there is an examination. We'll get it. We'll get there. Uh, Communion is, is an interesting thought because the Old Testament is a spotlight shining on what shall be. There are types and shadows in the Bible, a type and a shadow. If if you've never heard about a type and a shadow, it's kind of like this. um, The things that happen in the Old Testament are a shadow of things to come in the New Testament. It's almost a reverse of what you might think it, it would be. So the light is shining from the end of time, and the figure is standing In the New Testament and it's shining a a light there so that the shadow is cast into the Old Testament here's a case in point the people had disobeyed God of course in many occasions in this particular time they were sick and they were dying so God told Moses make a bronze serpent wrap it around a pole walk through the crowd of the people lift up the bronze serpent and anyone who looks on it will be healed in the New Testament we find out what that was. It was a shadow of things to come because the New Testament says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When you look on the cross, there is a healing there. It's, a, it's the blood. So things happen in the Old Testament. In fact, Peter wrote, just as Noah was saved by water, even so baptism saves us. Noah was saved by water. I thought he was saved by the ark. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he was saved by water. The ark is a type or a shadow of the church, but the water is a type of washing. And Jesus set it into place when he was baptized of John the Baptist, his cousin, by six months. So I'm reading from the scripture. In fact, I think I need to read all of it. If you have your Bibles, you can read with me. But I'm reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We'll read several verses here. And this is important for us to know these verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Paul's long exhortation, multiple chapters long, is going to end up here. This is an ordinance that the early church practiced Believed, rehearsed. 1 First, First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. We'll read all the right way down uh, to, to verse 30. And this, this is a great place. If you have a pen, you can underline this. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. He's speaking of himself. Verse 27. Here's the examination part. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Just go to the top of that That chapter or that verse, rather, in verse 23, and consider this that he would take the bread and the cup. And Paul would say it like this I received of the Lord. And I delivered. That's called exampled. Communion is a sacred ordinance exampled and commanded by Jesus. Paul reiterated the example ship I received it I'm exampling this it's very critical that we understand that within the confines of the early church this became a routine practice we're going to get down to the words as oft as oft we have to be very careful now now I'm not telling you that people cannot take communion Um, I cannot take, people shouldn't take communion every week. It's fine. We don't do it every week. And there are some people who do it more often than not. But I just want you to know that when you receive communion, you do it in the same orderly fashion with respect and honor to the Lord. Now, the only danger in this particular instance is that you You always have to make sure that if you if you're if you're receiving communion a a lot on on a regular basis that you do not lose the value of it. Also, I I don't want anyone to think that if we don't have communion on on at the end of the year that something's wrong. We live by the Gregorian calendar. That's not the calendar God lives by. So in His books, December thirty first and January first is there's no difference. In fact, that's not even the Jewish calendar. (laughs) If you want to know what time it is, you've got to go back to the Jewish calendar, which is wrapping up very quickly. So don't get stuck on the tradition that you have to have communion before the end of the year. That's your thought. That goes along with resolutions, right? I'm going to do all of this, but come the first of the year, I'm going to change my entire life. I'll never have another sweet again. Isn't that what people say? I'm, 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 I'm going to... I'm, a, I'm losing a lot of weight. I'm going to grow some more hair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my finances in order. Come January, you're going to see a different person. That works for a few days. That works for a few days. Those resolutions, they die. Come Valentine's Day, they're gone. So, just so you know, communion can be, can be taken... On any particular day, morning or night, morning or night, but when you do it, you honor the Lord and you examine yourself because you don't do it flippantly. Now, I would submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm submitting this to you, if you are an active, if you're actively sinning, you know you're an active sin, you're not going to change anything. You're not ready to change anything. You won't change anything. You should not receive communion. Now, I'm submitting that to you. And I think you ought to pray about that. And, and my father always received communion. He would say, I want everyone to bow their heads. If someone doesn't want to receive communion tonight, does not mean that they're sinning. It just means that they're not ready to do that. So, uh, so you know, everybody would bow their heads except me. Scott, probably. We wanted to know who who's not taking communion around here. I wonder what they're doing. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It was just him. Um, it's, just, it's just a joke. Uh, my, my father always taught us that 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 it's okay if you don't feel like this is the moment then then it's better not to do it but you examine yourself with repentance and prayer and if you're in active sin you don't do that because it's not a it's not just something you do it's not like clapping your hands it's it's not like it's not a routine that you should just do just because everyone else is doing communion is a very vital key of the believer's life and we honor the lord Until he comes. Why would he say that we honor him? Because the fact that he died. That's the pivot point of our life. I want to dispel this idea. Of denominational banners. Only the cross of Calvary. Gave you access into the Holy of Holies. No church. No affiliation. Is going to bring you in. To the holy of holies. It's only because of the blood of Jesus. That you ever had access. You didn't get access without the blood. But the blood did it for you. And the blood covered you. And when the Lord looks on you. Thank God he can't see everything that I am. But when I'm covered by the blood. He can only see the blood. His blood. And his blood covers everything about my life. When I'm covered by the blood. It heals my mind, it heals my heart, and it allows him to bring me in, because nothing unholy is going to come before him. The beauty of his blood. So, this is commanded, and this is what the early church did on a regular basis. We do not know how often that they partook of communion, but there is some historical reference that for certain, every Passover, the early church had communion there is historical reference to that i want to i want to shine a little light on a statement that was made and written 730 years before jesus died approximately 730 years prior to that moment isaiah is going to write a chapter we know it as his fifty third chapter, but in that particular chapter, he is describing a future sacrifice, an individual he will use the the imagery of a lamb. It is it, very powerful uh, among the Hebrew people as they had been uh, practicing sacrificial uh, sacrifices with lambs for many, many years, thousands of years, and in, And when he wrote it, he's describing the Lamb of God. He is forecasting, he's prophesying of the coming and and the death of Jesus Christ. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, he said. He'll grow up as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. There's nothing that you're going to see him. No comeliness that you'll be attracted to him. He is ordinary among you. And then Isaiah is going to write, and you should read this and study this for yourself. He is led as a sheep before the shearers. And he won't open his mouth. I, I, I want you to know that Isaiah is prophesying 730 years prior that Jesus allows himself to be taken. He allows the process to begin. And the process does not begin in the Garden of Gethsemane. It begins, it begins at least it begins, in that rented room where the Passover is taking place. Now you got to remember this. When Israel came out of Egypt, that was the night that the Passover actually began. When God told Moses, tell all the people, go get a lamb, get the, get the best lamb you, you can get. Bring the lamb in, kill the lamb. Cook the lamb, take the blood of the lamb, and wipe it on the doorpost of your home. On the outside, put all that blood that you can on the doorpost of your home. And when I send the angel and he sees the blood, he won't visit your home. The blood was the one thing, the only thing that kept the plague from visiting that home. Every home without the blood had a visitation, and the visitation ended in the death of the firstborn son. Every home. And in the night, there was wailing and weeping all through Egypt. Even the Bible says, in the field, cattle, oxen were standing over their lifeless offspring. They had also died. And this is what God said bring everyone in the home, close the door, eat the entire lamb. You eat all the lamb and you stay until morning. Think now, blood on the outside, lamb on the inside. Blood on the outside, lamb on the inside. And that was the first Passover. And from that day, for thousands of years, every Jewish father still to this day will ask their children, what makes this day different than all the other days in the year? And they will reply, this is the day that the angel passed over homes the Passover day. The blood was applied. They do not know this. Neither the Jews or the Pharisees, even the disciples, they do not know this. They're looking at the Lamb, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist, he's proclaimed it, but it just went over their head. There's no way they could realize that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way the Lord, make his path straight. Baptizing people into repentance just so they could be prepared for him, he declares Jesus when he says sees him, he says to all the people, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. They had no idea what was going on. And three years later, three years later, the Lamb of God appears on a cross, stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, wounded, bruised. The wounds and the bruise are two different things. The bruise, it's internal. It's when you're hit and the bruise come out. It it shows on the skin, but the damage is inside. The wound is the cutting from the outside. It's it's both internal, the psyche, the man, the words spoken. Things that are spoken to me can hurt me. It hurts. That old adage that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never that's a lie. Words are more damaging than sticks hit me with a stone, but don't say that to me gets in my brain the damage that People have said to children. You'll never amount to anything And, and they live with that haunting thing trying to groping for affirmation trying You're ugly. You're no good and all of a sudden those wounds become the path of life But the blood the lamb The bruising of life and the wounds. All the things you think about. The crown of thorns pressed upon his brow. He took every wound, every damaging thought that ever passed through your mind. The Lord already took that. He paid that price. And somehow we've got to get that blood applied to us. Lamb on the inside. The spirit of God on the inside. And the blood on the outside. This was the concept this was the idea of the Jewish community. And it's hard for us to recognize this because we don't ever see a lamb. We don't see the, we don't hear the bane of the lamb. We don't see the blood of the lamb. We, we don't have that in our culture. And so it's difficult for us to adopt these things. We, we think it by faith. We hear it, but we have no realistic view of it because we've never seen that. The life, the Bible says in Leviticus, the life of the body is in the blood. Why did he choose blood? Why blood? What's the life of the body? Can't live without blood. How many times have I said you can't live without blood? You can live without you can live without a gallbladder. You can, you can live without one of your kidneys. You, you can live. People have lived without part of their brain. I, I know. They're alive, but ain't, ain't nothing up there. Can't you can live without a lot of stuff? A finger, a toe, you you live without an earring. You can't live without blood. Can't live without blood. No, the life of the body is in the blood, and it's not just not living without blood, but blood—the blood—it sends all the messages around your body. It oxygenates your 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 cells. It, it it feeds your body. The blood. Do you know what we all have in common? We don't have height and we don't have ethnicity. We don't, we don't have names in common. We, we have the blood of Jesus in common. The blood made you my brother. The blood made you my sister. The blood made you my family. Do you know what happens when the blood of Jesus occupies a room like this and a church like this? Guess what? He sends the same message to everybody. He feeds you and he feeds you and he brings us together. You can't survive without the blood. There is no church without the blood. You can have liturgy. Here, pastor, you can have liturgy, you can have songs, you can have music, you can have a screen, but if you don't have the blood, you got nothing because there's no message without the blood. There's no healing without the blood. There's no redemption without the blood. There's no salvation without the blood. There's no atonement without the blood. Don't you know this is what the New Testament church was all about? Because they understood the blood. I've got to have the blood. And the New Testament church realized no, we don't have to do that anymore because we've already looked on the cross and we've already had the blood of Jesus, the Lamb. And the Lamb of God removed the necessity for the Lamb of the field. It was exampled, it was commanded. I don't want to go down this road too far. I don't have time to do it. Lord knows. But when you see Jesus coming back, when he comes in the sky, do you know, how, you know what you're going to see? The Bible just, I'll just give you one, one portion of that image. The Bible says his vesture will be dipped in blood. And there's a name written on that vesture. Come on, there's only one name. The Bible says that there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one baptism, there's one God and Father above all and through all and in you all. Jesus said, you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Colossians 3.17, you know what that says? And whatsoever things ye do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. I know these are not your notes, but come on, you can't confine me to. Number two. There are elements, and the elements are symbols. I want you to be very careful how you understand the elements. I was on my computer and I was practicing what's written on your paper, the Lord's Supper, from the Greek phrase, dipnon. That's how you pronounce it. I, the reason why I know this is because I spent five minutes rehearsing that. There's a little app, on, a little website where they'll teach you how to pronounce Greek or Latin or Arabic words. In fact, there's other words that I'm trying to pronounce, mostly Spanish words. And you have to understand that J does not sound like a J. It's H or silent. I'm, wor- I'm working on this. I'm, it's, it's, it's been worked, so I just, I just I'm just i working all the time. This particular is important. It, this particular wor- words are important because it, it's a meal that belongs to the Lord. So this is not a meal to fill your belly. It's not a meal for your sustenance. And in fact... By the time this was written in 1st Corinthians chapter 11, there was some issue That they had become flippant and this became a big celebration Or it became like a Passover meal where there's all the food The bitter herbs, the, 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 the egg, uh, the, the bread, the, the unleavened bread No, th- this wasn't for that This was for a symbol And not only was it a symbol But it was directly made for a symbol, as if. So, there's no reference in scripture that the bread that you take tonight, the drink that you take tonight, turns into his actual body. There's no Bible for that whatsoever. In fact, I would denounce that idea altogether. It's a man-made concept that's not true. The elements of communion are symbols of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. The shed blood of Jesus. This is a very difficult thing for them. We have the book; they had, they were, in, they were living this in real time. Think about this: they're living this in real time. If I came to you and I said, "Okay, look, brother, here's what we're going to do. I'm, 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 I'm going. This is what's going to happen to me this weekend, and I'm going to, I'm going to do something in front of you," and you would be bewildered because you've never heard of that. They had all their confidence in Jesus. He had thwarted all the, all the rebuttals of the Pharisees. In times, he had escaped from them. He had a huge following of believers. Miracles followed him wherever he went. There were people who adored him and loved him. Hundreds have been healed. Lepers. Who knows how many lepers? We, we only know of one time where ten were healed in a single instance, but there was other people. In fact, in two different places in the Bible, Jesus healed people and said, Now, don't tell anybody. And they went and told everybody. The Bible says his fame was noised abroad. Jesus had become very popular. Of course, that was the reason why it it raised the ire of the Pharisees, Sadducees. And all of those of the high council. The broken body, the shed blood. Think of this, the unleavened bread. Why was it unleavened? Why unleavened bread? Have you ever tasted an unleavened bread? It doesn't taste good. There's no, it, it, it's not good. There's no yeast in it. Every year, three weeks before Passover in Israel, every house is cleaned. They will wipe everything down. Many of them will take all of their furniture out of the house and wipe it from top to bottom so that all of the yeast is out of their home for Passover. One year we were there in Israel just a week before it started but people were already beginning the process of cleaning their homes because they didn't want any yeast in their homes at all before observing the Passover. <laughs> Why? Because when you're going to escape there's things that you don't do. You know, what's the word? gag around. Well, I'll get there. I'm going to get there. Someone told me about they were gonna catch a plane ride and they said you know I just I don't know what I was thinking I, I kind of I just kind of milled around a little bit and 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 missed the plane well there's some things you cannot miss you don't miss getting out of prison when everyone else is gone and so it takes time to cook bread and bake it the right way my mother and my sister does this. D- D- Dammy and Allie are doing this, the bread and, and, and it rises and, and then you have to do all kinds of things and you knead it and you bring it, it rises. Well, that particular night on the Passover night, they didn't put the yeast in the bread. They didn't have time. So it was flat and it wasn't as good and it didn't taste well. And, and, and please don't give us any unleavened bread for Christmas. I know what it tastes like. <laughs> The unleavened bread. This is the remembrance. See, one of the problems with the Gentile church is we have no remembrance. It's very difficult for us to relate to the Bible because none of this is in our history. We've got to adopt it and bring it into our history to understand what the Bible is talking about. That's why when I go to Israel, I'm learning things that are in the Bible that I never saw before until I'm standing on that soil or in that, or, or, or on that boat are in that field, are in that dry creek, picking up stones, standing in the valley of Elah. Uh Uh-oh. Knowing where the Philistines would have come from and that nine-foot Goliath shouting obscenities. It changed my thought. The elements, symbols. What we do here tonight... There are symbolic things that we do so we can try to adopt and remember. He died for you, his body was broken for you. I want to go to number three because the Lord's Supper consecrates the present. It is not just a remembrance for the past, it does something to the present, it changes our present. We've got to pause from all the things that are happening in our world and we've got to shut some things out. It's very difficult to honor the Lord when you are consumed and the present is not consecrated. Where's the consecration? Where do you wash your mind? The Bible says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind has a spirit. You have a disposition. Prone to think things. Prone. Some people are very, they're very suspicious. Some people are very naive, they're, they're, you know, you can tell them a joke and they'll believe you and, and then they find out later, oh, some people are, they're broad and they, and they, they, they some people are linear, you know, they don't, they don't get the jokes. And some people are, 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 are just, they, they have a disposition of their thought. How do you clean up your thought? How do you clean up your mind? Some people have a poor mentality. I'm, I'll just speak this and I'm not trying to be offensive. Rent a center. My, my, my wife's grandmother used to say, rent a center, or my mother-in-law. Rent a scissor." is poor people with poor ways. You rent the TV for $17 a month. Don't do that, ladies and gentlemen. That's a poor mindset. Get out of that. Get out of that. Get out of that 25% loan. Get out of that. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's it's mindset. God's not going to heal me. Get out of the mindset. You know, other people are more needful than me. As if God is limited in the house. Let me tell you, he knows every person in this earth, every person ever lived. The scientific stats say there's probably been about 13 billion people to ever live on this earth and all this planet. He knew every hair on every head of every person that ever lived. He knew every aborted baby. He knew the hundreds of millions of aborted children, and there's a place for them. Don't think that he's too busy to take care of your need. So when you think, well, I'd go to the front, but I just, you know, I know other people need it more than me. What are you talking about? That's like you're standing at a massive ocean and saying, I, you know, it's okay. Go ahead, everybody. I know you're I know you're thirsty. I know you want I know you want to get in the water. You need it more than me. You're God's resources are so great and profound. He has more than enough time for you. He died for you. You got to cleanse your mind and communion consecrates that thought cleanses you. Amen. And all the people said amen. amen. Number 4, the Lord's supper anticipates Till, Can I just say it this way in, in, in the first person? Till I come. Do it until I come. Keep remembering till I come. Keep, keep the, the sacrifice in front of you till I come. Because there's coming a day when you won't have to do it again. And the next time Jesus sits down to eat, he's going to be sitting with us. At a banquet table. The next time... He he drinks of the cup. It's going to be with the bride. And we're going to have a marriage celebration. And we're going to be eating and dancing. <laughs> Why would he tell us, though? Because it bothers me for a long time. And it, and if you'll notice the title of our lesson, if you'll notice the title of the lesson, it's very important that you notice the title of our lesson because, because there are times when... I don't know, maybe you're not like me, but I'll go upstairs, and I'll walk around my room, and I'll, I'll go back downstairs. And then I remembered what I wanted to do upstairs, and then I go back upstairs. Now, it only takes you about, I don't know, a dozen times of doing that until you just stay up there. And your wife comes by and says, what are you doing? And, and I say, I'm not really sure, but I'm, and if I just stand here for a moment, I'll remember what I was supposed to be doing up here. Because the moment I walk back downstairs, I'm going to remember why I was upstairs. And then I tell myself, okay, I'll just do that later. But when I get up there later, I forgot that I was what I went. Why, why is that? I can remember a whole bunch of stuff, but some, you know, listen, some of us have perfected... Uh, this, this memory problem. You know, we perfected the memory problem. But, but remember, remember what I told you last, a couple weeks ago. If you boil down the Old Testament into one word, it's, the word is remember. If you took the whole Old Testament and boiled it down, you had to come up with one word in English. It's remember. And when Jesus said, Rem- I want you to do this in remembrance of me. Remember me, remember me. Hey, life is going to get busy. Remember me. Hey, you're going to get tomorrow on Thursday, all of you are going to be on your way. and You're going to get a lot of things. You have You have so much on your mind. And Jesus is saying tonight, remember me. When you do this, you remember me. And what are you remembering about me? No, not that I rose from the grave. Don't remember that. Don't remember that I rose from the grave or that I'm a healer or that I'm a provider. Remember what I did for you before you knew me. Remember that while we were yet sinners... The Bible says Christ died for us while we were... Sin- remember me because I was thinking about you before you ever came about. Remember because your life's going to get harried. It's going to get busy. You're going to have stress. You're going to have issues. But remember me now. Remember me. And remember the cross and the price that I paid for you. You see, if you remove that... I, the Lord was speaking to me about this. And, and, I, and I asked the Lord a little bit. I don't know. I just felt this in my spirit. But I typed it down that the absence of remembrance is the dismantling of the body. I thought that was extreme. Why would I, well, how could you dismantle the body as if the body did not exist? And I feel this tonight that if you don't remember the Lord's death, it means that there's a dishonor in his death and his sacrifice, his blood and his broken body. What kind of church exists without the sacrifice of the lamb? There is no church. Now I can bear that in scripture. Feed the flock. Here's the Bible. Feed the flock. Over the witch. He made you overseers. He purchased it with his own blood. So the real church. Please don't do this literally. Will the real church stand up? The real church is purchased by the blood. The real church. The real church. And there is no church without the blood. And there is no belief without the blood. And there is no cross. And there's no victory without the cross. And there is no thanks without the cross. He died for you. Please, I I beg your pardon. And I I don't mean to be sarcastic. Do we have to wait until, until Easter? Palm Sunday? Do we have to wait until then? To discuss the broken body of Jesus, the blood? Do we have to wait? Are we so locked in to our own calendar? Are we so locked in to our own routine? Yes, we'll get there. But do we have to, do we have to reserve that time and say, you know, I'll tell you what. Come the last Thursday in November, I'm going to be thankful. Because it's Thanksgiving. And and, and, and and come December the twenty fifth, we're going to rejoice that He came, and on Easter, we're we're going to be so thankful for the for the resurrection and and the and, and the cross. Is that is that what we're doing? No 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 no. Stop! Stop all that. That's a that's that's an Americanism. It's a mess. It's led us away from the very things that we're involved in. Listen, you eat the book, you love the word. Every day, you say thank you, Lord, for the blood. I have a good friend, and he's, and he's one of the guys in the group. And his his father had some a lot of heart problems, and and we've been praying for his dad. His dad has been a great minister for so many, many, many years, and and they're in California. And so he keeps texting me, Pastor, pray for my dad. He's got heart trouble. We've been praying for him. Well, the Coumadin was too strong, I guess. And so the problem was he had a brain bleed. A couple days ago, he had a brain bleed. And, and the doctor just said, we're going to have to do surgery. He'll never move again. He, he probably won't, won't last the surgery. He's not going to move. He's not going to, he's not going to be able to, to talk, even if he comes out, there'll be no motor skills and we're going to have to drain this blood on his brain or he just won't live. So they did all the MRIs, they did all the scans and so he called me and said, Pastor, would you pray? I said, we started to pray. We prayed and prayed and so the, 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 the surgery went through and 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 he was going to have the surgery, I'm sorry, before the surgery, he, he went to his dad and said, we're going to pray and so, and so in the prayer, they took communion and then the next day he came back and we're going to pray. We're taking communion again because there is a reference here in the, in the scripture that when you don't do it correctly, the Bible says many are weak and they're sickly among you, which, which many of our founders said communion is also the healing of the natural body. There's healing in the natural body. It's, it's the recognition. And, and, and when there's not the right recognition, you'll remain sick and weak. Just what we've taught all of us. Huh? So he's serving his father communion, and Clint said, "Pastor, I, I did it. We we went to the hospital yesterday. And then and then we went we went the day before. We, we did it today, right before right before we went to surgery, and and when he came out of surgery, nothing done." And 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 a couple of hours later, then he showed me a picture. Dad moved his right hand, and we can't believe he moved his right hand. And 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 he said, Pray because they've stopped the cumin, and there could be a blood clot. When I was coming, when I was in the car today, I called him, I said, How's how's your father doing? He said, It's incredible. He got up and walked today. He's talking and he's walking. <laughs> I, I I credit the Lord for that. The doctor said it will never happen. The doctor said it's over. You're never going to come back. I credit the Lord. Now, I'm not, I'm not using communion as a, as a tool. It's not a magic trick. It's not a magic trick. But I still honor the Lord. And I say when we honor the Lord in communion and we're receiving it tonight, when we receive communion tonight, I pray that not only do we remember the Lord, remember Him in everything that we do, and not just some seasonal moment, but we remember the Lord and I pray That there is complete healing and miracles for every person in this house. Amen. God God can heal you tonight while you're receiving communion. While you honor his broken body and his blood. You can be healed tonight of everything. Because that's how good God is. Because the Bible says with his stripes... Go back to Isaiah 53. Everything you wanted to know about that powerful moment that happened 730 years later is happening right there in Isaiah Isaiah chapter, chapter 53. You're going to be redeemed because he allowed himself. No one brought him to the cross. He willingly gave himself. He just closed his mouth. All of our griefs and our sorrows. He is stricken, smitten of God. The, the, the incarnate Savior and the blood. Amen. Amen. All of the classes tonight are receiving communion. Our youth are in their session tonight, and they're receiving communion. Our children, per permission of all the parents, they're receiving communion tonight, and we're here to receive it. And what a great group has gathered. I'd like you to take this book that you have, And I don't want you to wait, uh, or I don't want you to, to, to forget this book. I want you to take it home. And I want you to look over it. I want you to read through it. And as we go to the Lord before communion, there's a fifth line here. We'll fill it out. This is very important for us. Because there's, a, there's an approach to the matter at hand. There's an approach. Here's the approach. It doesn't take long to ask the Lord to forgive you and to thank him for his goodness and his grace. It doesn't take long, but you have to do it with sincereness and heart. There's approach. There's many, there's many, many words. I'll, I'll, I'll offer you a couple here, and then I'll add some, some words to it. But, but the Lord's Supper this communion, there's an approach that we have to have. It's with preparation. The preparation is with our heart. It's with our mouth, with our mind. And prayer. Those are the elements that attend to our approach. And of course, in preparation, it means that you're reverencing something. It's a reverence. It's a holy moment. It's a godly moment. And prayer is a communication with the Lord. It's thanking Him. It's calling to Him. In my preparation here tonight, couldn't get this moment off my mind. Last night, just went to bed thinking about being here, standing here, and receiving communion. I was preparing yesterday just to receive communion for myself. So I pray tonight that we would enter this moment and believe that the Lord will save us and heal us, and we will remember the Lord till he come. Amen. And all the people said amen. I'd like for you to stand with me, and I'd like for the house lights to come down just a little bit, because I want to do our best to concentrate and to prepare our minds and our hearts. And before there's any movement or any of the ushers help us, I want us to just to to pray together. I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for the body of believers here. Pray that the Lord will clean your heart, your mind, your spirit. Pray, Pray for a renewed mind, a renewed heart. And then I'll lead you in the next prayer. Would you just pray that with me? Lord, I pray right now. Forgive us. Forgive me. Clean us. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew within me a right spirit. I pray clean my intent, my motive.